In today's podcast, I want to discuss the anatomy of the human breast. Let's talk about function, its anatomical structure, of course, a bit on blood supply, and finish with a minute or so on lymphatics, which are particularly important when it comes to breast anatomy and pathology. As always, I'll try and squeeze in some nuggets of clinical relevance as we go along, but we will revisit the topic in future to add more detail to this podcast, introducing the anatomy of the breast. Okay, let's start the timer. Human beings, that is Homo sapiens, belong to the animal kingdom. Specifically, we are housed in the phylum of vertebrates, and even more specifically, in the class of mammals. We're classed as mammals for a few reasons. We have three little bones in the middle ear called ossicles. We have fur, but relevant to this podcast, we have mammary glands, or breast tissue, which is where the term mammal, and even mam, as in mother, comes from. In mammals, the biological adult females produce milk for feeding their young. Now, as both male and female humans have breast tissue and as such can both unfortunately get breast cancers, such pathology is far more common in females as the breast tissue is active and more developed. So in this podcast, we'll largely focus on the female breast anatomy. The breast itself then is a modified exocrine sweat gland, and as such, unlike other glands, it has no capsule. Breast structure consists of fatty glandular tissue with a nipple and surrounded pigmented skin termed the areola tissue. It consists of roughly a circular base with an axillary tail that extends up into the armpit. Now the size and shape of course varies depending on genetic and dietary factors, but the average borders are from the second to the sixth intercostal space, with around two thirds of the breast overlying the pectoralis major muscle and the remaining one third of course overlying the serratus anterior muscle. The shape and size of the breast also changes with age, due to menstrual cycle itself, and of course during pregnancy, and we'll come back to these features to see how it changes. But first, let's do a bit of a deeper dive into the structure we see that the average breast has around 15 to 20 active units of glandular tissue we call lobules. And these lobules secrete into a tube system called the lactivorous ducts, which open onto the nipple and therefore drain milk onto it. There is a whole ongoing debate about the presence of dilatations called lactivorous sinuses, but I won't go into that here. Something that is worth mentioning, however, is a connective tissue structure that divides the lobules, but also supports the shape and structure of the breast. This structure is given the eponymous name, the suspensory ligaments of Cooper, and as the name suggests, these add support to the breast tissue. What about the skin then? Well, at the skin, we encounter the nipple and the surrounding areola tissue. And as mentioned, this is the area that the ducts drain. However, it's also home to numerous sebaceous and sweat glands, giving it a rather bumpy appearance. We also find specialised glands here called the tubercles of Montgomery, which have an antimicrobial and protective function, and these are more numerous immediately postpartum, where they're most needed really. Now, as alluded to, during the various stages of life, the breast tissue will change in appearance and shape, and this is largely governed by hormones, but also in part of the normal ageing process. The female breast develops during puberty, where oestrogen release from the ovaries, of course, causes the lobules and ducts of the breast to grow and maturate. During pregnancy, the size and number of lobules increase dramatically, again governed by large fluctuations in hormones, this time largely progesterone. Postpartum or after birth, the glands, of course, produce milk with lactation occurring due to falls in oestrogen and progesterone levels and a rise in an until now unmentioned hormone called prolactin. 
During the menopause, falling hormone levels result in the breast tissue shrinking. Laxity in the structures, including the suspensory ligaments, result in a normal morphological changes in shape that we see in aging. Now, whilst these changes are seen in normal development in aging, we also see changes more commonly associated with breast cancers. And these are the ones to look out for, of course. The development of unexplained discharge, nipple inversion, lumps, dimpling or tethering of skin are all changes that warrant medical review and further investigation. Now, let's move on to blood supply and lymphatics then. The lateral part of the breast is supplied largely by a lateral thoracic artery, which is sometimes referred to as the external mammary artery, and this is a branch of the axillary artery of the armpit. The medial breast is supplied by the internal thoracic or internal mammary artery, with some contribution from intercostal arteries along the way. And the veins, well, you've heard us mention this before, they largely follow the arteries. Lymphatics then. Probably the most important of the topics here. The breast has a very good lymphatic system. Underneath the nipple is a network of lymphatic vessels termed sapies plexus. From here, around 75% of lymph from the breast drains into the axillary group of lymph nodes, meaning it is vitally important to examine the armpit in anyone presenting with a breast lump. Metastasis often spreads here. The remaining lymph, largely from the medial breast, drains to the parasternal or intermammary lymph nodes between the breasts. Whilst rare, there are cases of contralateral breast cancer spread through this lymphatic route, but I must stress, this is rare. And that is the timer. So today we discussed some of the foundations of breast anatomy. We focused largely on its structure, blood supply and lymphatics, whilst also spending some time focusing on the expected or normal changes these tissues undergo during life. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next week.